a Podcast One production. So businesses starting up these days, they face the challenge of, you know, small budgets, often not generating revenue, and they're just not thinking about cybersecurity from day one. And it's something that we really need to address in Australian culture. We had a customer come to us and ask us to hack into their system. And what they wanted us to find out was how easy it would it be to actually move money out of their environment. So with a combination of uh, flaws on their part as a business, they had weak passwords, a very loose uh, office environment where complete strangers could easily walk in and out. And that's one of the exploits we use. So we walked into their office quickly identified who was the accounts person. We used a keylogger to essentially record the keystrokes on the keyboard. We watched them for a few days and we noticed they were using a big bank that essentially had a, a system that would allow you to upload transactions, in and out transactions, using an ABA file. And what an ABA file is, is essentially just a, an easy way to upload 10, 20, 50, 100 different transactions to a bank account for uh, execution in a row. We were intercepting that file. We were changing the bank account details to our bank account details and leaving the account details the same, the amounts the same. So when the lady uploaded the file, she looked at the account screen quickly, the totals added up, the names looked correct, bang, she processed it, and she just transferred $100,000 into our bank account. There are some pretty simple things that can be done to stop that happening. So they had some issues with passwords. They had no software that was able to detect a keylogger installed on the box. They had very poor sort of social engineering prevention rules. So having people walk in and out of the office that you don't know is a huge risk to any business. And a really simple way to protect yourself from that is if you see someone in your building and you don't know who they are, as part of the onboarding process, you can teach all your staff a very simple question how was your weekend? And all staff are trained to answer in a funny way, in a specific way. And if they answer incorrectly, you can call security, you can call the police and it addresses that issue. These organisations that are actually perpetrating these crimes uh, are very effective. They'll sit there and watch communications um, between customers, between admin people, between accounts people for quite some time to actually get an understanding of the language to use, of... uh, what might be an appropriate question, what might be an appropriate push, and they really mimic uh, the behaviour of the customer and the startup to extort money, and they're getting better and better at it. So we've actually created a a little uh, framework for startups and even some really interesting pricing models that can grow with them as as they mature, but it's super important that they take security seriously from day one. And an example of a company that hasn't done that well was a, uh, a small startup. Uh, they were generating a little bit of revenue. They had uh, the admin lady that uh, basically processes all the invoices, does all the banking, customer service, customer management. They hadn't thought about cybersecurity at all. And unfortunately, they were uh, the victims of some invoice fraud, which we see in Australia more and more and more. A lot of our clients that come to us now are just saying invoice fraud, invoice fraud, email fraud whatever it may be. But there's some very simple things you can put in place to completely prevent that. And these guys that are uh, setting up these criminal enterprises overseas are essentially exploiting weaknesses in social engineering, email phishing, and invoice fraud to extort reasonably large amounts of money out of small businesses that just can't afford it. And in this case, uh, this particular 
customer lost uh, $43,000, which for a startup is not something that's particularly palatable. And, and what actually happened here is the admin lady went away on holidays. They had uh, poor password security. They managed to uh, get access to an Office 365 account. Using that account, they sent a, uh, a message to the customer saying, hey, as a business, we've changed our banking records, banking details, please pay this invoice as much as you can. And they'd been watching the customer interaction and, and this particular startup had actually been hassling the customer for a while. So it wasn't unusual for them to contact and ask them for money to be paid. Bank accounts were changed, $43,000 was lost, uninsured, huge hit to a startup. So we know these days that uh, the face of the hacker has changed. It's no longer the, uh, you know, the hoodie-wearing teenager defacing websites. They're criminal organisations. They're well-organised, whether they be local or offshore. And Fergus, you've been in the cyber risk industry for 25 years and have seen it change. What are some of the examples you've got of this? Well, yeah, Bastian, it's very interesting what happened in, I'd been monitoring the trends in this. So Verizon, the large network company, the large global internet network company, every year release what they call the data breach investigations report. So their forensics team, who's been involved in investigating these actual breaches that have happened globally, puts this report together every year. It's a bit of a Bible for, uh, for those of us who work in uh, security. And uh, what it said for the first time in 2017 to 2018 is that more than 50% of the breaches they investigated were perpetrated by organised crime. So the cyber landscape's changed for all businesses in terms of, you know, when I first started in this industry, the sort of crimes that we'd see from a cyber risk point of view would be more like website defacement, those kind of things. But now what we're seeing is sophisticated attackers, organised criminals who are well-resourced. Some of them have call centres uh, when they're trying to extort money from people or to get people to pay bills that they shouldn't, and these kind of things. So that's the landscape changing. And I think that's very concerning and it's not going to get any better. So vigilance from a customer's point of view uh, is essential no matter what size they are. Yeah, and we see hackers look for the easiest way to get funds. I mean, this is why they're doing it. They're either getting data and selling it on the dark web for a price. And as Fergus alluded to, whether that be personal identifiable information or medical records, they're very valuable on the dark web. But the easiest way to get money out of any business in, in Australia or worldwide is to literally take control of their invoicing system and redirect funds to a bank account of their choosing. And it's something that Australian businesses fall for perhaps more than other countries, I think, because of our trusting attitude. What are the hackers capable of once they've gained access to your systems? I mean, how long is a piece of string? Everything from monitoring your conversations within emails, from my point of view, when we're tasked with breaking into an organisation, once we have that email access, we're looking for key things such as instructions to transfer money, what financial systems they use, what resourcing systems they use, what banking systems they use. If we're talking about simply access to a machine, then we can watch keystrokes. We can, you know, we can go as vulgar as well. I mean, how many how many of us have received an email saying that uh, we've been to adult sites and they've got pictures? Now, ninety nine percent of those are fake emails, and they're they're designed to scare you into to paying some money to them, but. Realistically, once a hacker has control of your laptop and you use that laptop uh, for personal purposes, they can very easily take photos using the, the webcam and 
you know, it seems uh, perhaps paranoid to put a, uh, a cover over your camera, but if you haven't taken cybersecurity seriously, I would 100% be sticking that Band-Aid over the, uh, the camera on your laptop. I mean, there, Mark Zuckerberg's a, a good example. I mean, he's not being too paranoid because literally he would be the, uh, the target of probably thousands of cyber attacks a day. You've got to remember the goal is to extort money, the goal is to extort data, the goal is to extort IP. I mean, businesses these days are paying thousands of dollars for contact databases, so whether it might be a list of CIOs, whether it might be a list of HR managers, these lists are expensive. Um, medical research companies are paying thousands of dollars for medical records of Australians for legitimate purposes, but at the same time, a hacker can sell these through shelf companies um, and kind of uh, skirt that world of uh, illegally getting the records and then moving over to illegal means of selling them. So look, the list is as large as our imagination can make it. We've got access to every peripheral. We've got access to every input method. We've got access to every output, uh, be it printer, be it camera, being mouse inputs, being usage patterns, being at your location. Something as simple as a pattern of uh, an executive who earns a lot of money if a criminal can advise a local gang that uh, the whole family's not going to be there that weekend, then, uh, yeah, sure, we can go in into the house and disarm the alarm system and steal diamonds, whatever it may be. Criminals are inventive people. Um, <laughs> they, the hackers are kind of probably more timid and stay in the background, but the, the criminal organisations out there that are willing to buy this information, whether it be location, data, IP, lists, they're out there and they're paying a lot of money. I think social engineering fraud has been around for as long as humanity. You know, people have been committing these kind of trickster crimes for for centuries. And I think what's changed now is that we've become a lot more dependent on technology to do the same things that are traditional crimes. So, for example, you know, if someone manages to convince, you know, a partner company or a customer uh, to transfer money into a bank account that's one of the criminal's bank accounts... That's crime, pure and simple, not necessarily a cyber crime because you could have done it with a fax machine, you could have done it with a, with a check, you know, check fraud, for example. So the fact that it's, it's been around for so long, the reason why it's become so much of a concern and it's a huge amount of money that gets lost each year is because a lot of people are not adequately securing their systems. And again, we go back to the same things that Bastion and I harp on about all the time, strong passwords, use encryption, these kind of things, know where your data is, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, and we see startups, they're really trying to find their own feet. They're trying to uh, you know, develop their own business processes. If they think about cybersecurity from an early stage, they really only have to follow basically sort of three high-level steps. The first one is to actually understand what makes them valuable as a business. Often startups, it might be IP that they've developed, it might be data that they hold, it might be people or consulting. It might actually be that what's important to them is uh, the invoicing coming in and out. That's a hugely important thing for a, a startup to protect. So once you properly understand what is in your small business, you need to properly protect it. And the first step to that is, okay, define it and then understand what the impact would be. But for startups, one of the key things, something that can be absolutely crippling for a startup is reputation and brand damage. So if you're starting up and you have a data breach, 
etc., uh, etc., et um, that's going to be bad for your very bad for your brand and reputation, and you may not be able to survive further in business. Larger companies tend to be able to survive these issues, even though they are taking financial penalties, etc. Uh, and I think of, inter- of interest that uh, in when we get to more medium-sized businesses, but any business in Australia that's um, that's earning over three million or turning over more than three million dollars in revenue annually is susceptible to the uh, mandatory data breach notification laws. The mandatory breach data breach notification laws, um, or the Privacy Act as it's called, um, what that does is that says if a customer has a breach and they lose some private information, it can be of their employees, it can be of their customers, uh, it could be pretty much... Uh, you know, any data that they hold, if they lose that because of some sort of hacking event or someone drops a USB key in a car park or someone loses their laptop and it's not encrypted uh, and secured, um, then uh, the, the that company, that organisation has 30 days to notify the privacy commissioner, also to notify the people whose data that they've lost. And if they don't, then they're susceptible for, and this just changed in the last couple of weeks, they're susceptible for a fine of $10 million. I'll let that sink in. Uh, $10 million or 10% of their revenue uh, for the first year. Now, that new penalty uh, came up from, what was it? I think it was $2.1 million mm-hmm. uh, and no revenue penalty. But mm-hmm. we've just changed it to become more in line with the laws in, in, in Europe. And uh, this is something that all businesses need to ca- take into account. Now, if you say, "I don't turn over more than three million, I don't turn over more than three million dollars in a year," then we start looking at what type of records you hold. If you hold any healthcare records, doesn't matter how much revenue you have, you still have to notify. And also, education, aged care records, these these sort of things are, are what people um, uh, are what the hackers tend to be after, and uh, you need to understand the consequences. Mm, pretty serious stuff. So for startups, one of the first steps of our bundle is really giving the startup an awareness on how criminals are breaching into organisations. The first step is to educate yourself on how we hack in. So when we hack into, whether it be a startup, a medium enterprise or a large enterprise, we extort the staff, we extort their inexperience, we extort their trust, um, and we use that to gain information. So we've given them access to a portal that provides training videos that really shows, okay, how do we use simple passwords to get information? How do we use emails to actually get access into an organization? How do we use phone calls to get us access on site? How do we use key loggers and devices and just simple things like having a clean desk policy can really put a thorn in a hacker's side and stop us from just putting something really simple like a USB stick in your laptop which is collecting information, you're going to see that straight away. Someone with a messy desk isn't. And the the education and the awareness platform is a really important part of uh, the onboarding process and the startup process for small businesses because straight away it develops that culture within them that cybersecurity is important. Here's how the criminals are currently exploiting Australian and all businesses around the world to take money away from them and they can't afford to have that money taken away from them. So the first step for us is to always educate the business. The second step is for them to become compliant. So we've been talking about the uh, Notifiable Breaches Act and other things that small businesses do have to contend with. And if you don't go about it the correct way, they're going to cost your business so much that it may actually end your business or you may think that uh, protecting yourself against it is actually cost prohibitive, but it's not. 
when we talk about uh, startups, a lot of the times all their services are in the cloud. And one of the scariest things I get told by, whether it be startups or medium enterprise, is all our services are in the cloud, so we don't really have to worry about security. From a hacker's point of view, that's my dream. All I have to do then is capture your username and password. And once I've got username and password, I've got access to your entire business, your contacts database, your IP, your customers, your email, everything is at my fingertips from any internet cafe anywhere in the world. So it becomes a problem of privilege access management, which is a fancy way of saying us using your accounts to access anything we want. Whereas before when we were using on-premise solutions, it was more a, a problem where startups were maybe once a year they would upgrade their operating systems or run security patches. And that was how we got into the organizations back then. But now it's actually easier for us with all these services in the cloud because people use passwords like their football team, their dogs, their, their parents, their dates of birth. And we've covered off that we need to, startups need to educate themselves and any staff they bring on board. They also should consider what we call security operations. And that is we monitor their cloud environments. We monitor the individuals using their business services and we monitor things like emails for unusual behavior. I'm going to call that user behavior analytics. And what that does is three things. It instantly gives you compliance. And that means that if you get taken to court and someone's breached into your data, stolen some people's information, credit card details, a home address, and it can be considered harmful to those individuals. If you're dragged into court, you can hand on heart and say, look, we had this uh, software installed and unfortunately we still got breached, but you're not going to get a fine if you take cybersecurity seriously. If you go into court and say, oh, look, you know, we're a startup. We haven't really thought about cybersecurity. We don't have the money for it. That's where they're going to issue the fine and, and it could end your business very easily. The fines have gone up significantly to align themselves with global standards and the fines are more than enough to end a large business, let alone a startup. So make sure that you have that security, user behavior analytics, security operations center stuff, security incident event monitoring. And what that allows us to do or what allows a startup to do is to completely outsource. If worst comes to absolute worst for an organization in terms of the fact that, you know, if you look at the inevitability of a, of a potential breach, which has really become the standard, uh, certainly in America, there's a, there's a saying, another day, another data breach. Um, so if... If we look at the inevitability of it, what's come in, what's become quite mature in recent uh, in recent years uh, is what we call cyber insurance. A lot of people will say, a lot of companies say, oh, well, we've we've already got insurance because they've got professional indemnity insurance and they've got general liability insurance and and insurance is generally a grunge purchase anyway. So what would I need cyber insurance for? And I guess the key thing here is that if there's no physical damage then traditionally, you know, property insurance and other insurances won't cover it. So there's a gap uh, in the insurance program. Now, a lot of people say, well, only big companies would want, to, would want to buy insurance, but that's not true. There are policies out there that can easily cover most likely circumstances, uh, the damage from most likely circumstances that are, that are less than $1,000 a year. Um, it's not expensive for a small business to get, you know, up to a million, $2 million worth of coverage. I mean, there's even some cases to be made that, all uh, media attention is good media attention. And if you do happen to have a breach and you solve it well, um, this is sort of moving away from the small business uh, mindset, but look how well the Red Cross addressed their uh, breach when they 
lost a whole heap of records relating to people's blood records and you know some pretty sensitive records in there. They did a good job. And I think they actually saw an increase of people going to donate blood after that. So it shows how a, a well-managed breach can actually help and create attention. And if you know how to do it, and you, you like you said, Fergus, uh, you rely on uh, a well-set-up insurance policy to help you with uh, PR and marketing and incident response teams or look to an organisation like us to help you, it can actually be a relatively small expense, a relatively minor road bump, as opposed to something that's going to end your business overnight. Educate yourself. Make sure you've defined what's important to your business and those things that are important to your business are effectively protected by controls that are adequate. Make sure that you've got a system to detect breaches in place and report on breaches. And finally, get someone like us to actually test to make sure that these controls you've put in place are appropriate so you're not going to get a nasty surprise. If you do those four simple steps, then you're going to have a reasonable culture addressing cybersecurity from day one. And controls don't just generally mean technology controls. This is a big trap for for startups. They believe that they've got the firewall, they've got the security incident event monitoring, they've got the latest endpoint protection. Controls also include policies and procedures. They are just as important, if not more important, than technology solutions. So if they've addressed those four pillars, they're in a good spot. Cyber Hacker was brought to you by Podcast One and CTRL Group. Presented by me, Bastian Treptel, produced by Matt Dwyer, our very own Stephen Williams from CTRL Group, and a special thank you to Fergus Brooks. Hacking is real. People and organisations are being taken down every day. If you'd like some professional advice and assistance, go online to ctrlgroup.com.au and we'll help you.